0: Before beginning this episode of the podcast, just a quick word for those interested in hearing the winners of this year's Catholic College Scholarship drawing. Mary Ellen and Ginny announced the winners in this episode's commercial break. Also, a video of the announcement will be released on the Seton Home Study School Facebook page. With that said, we'll turn things over to Mary Ellen and Ginny for this week's podcast.
1: Hello and welcome. This is the Stay at Home Mom, Stay at Home Schooling Mom. Holy mackerel, Ginny, get it right. Hey, Stay at Home Schooling Mom podcast. And my name is Ginny Supert, who can barely speak today. She needs coffee. I I do. I'm joined by my really good friend, Mary Ellen Barrett. We'll have some laughs today. And we're going to give you a great topic it's liturgical living. You know, so many of us Catholic homeschoolers. We want our kids to get a better education than they would get in a brick and mortar school. So we talk about phonics and everything. But it's been my experience that the homeschool moms that I know who come from a Catholic background also wanna raise their kids in the faith. It's really, really important to them. So we're gonna talk a little bit about how to do that today. But first we'd like to thank our many Catholic sponsors. You'll hear from one later on, but in particular, Seton Home Study School. Seton is the premier Catholic home study school in the United States. It's been doing its great job for 40 years now. And the curriculum is fabulous, being used in some small Catholic, private Catholic schools now, hybrid schools. If you want to check them out, their website is www.setonhome.org. you find lots of information there. There's a beginner's guide. If you go through the beginner's guide, because that saves them a lot of work helping you later, uh, they'll give you a nice discount to thank you for doing that. So anyhow, Mary Ellen, maybe you could sort of introduce uh, our topic today. What does living a liturgical life mean? For me, I, I think for most people, it means that your, your family is focused on
0: Christ. And in doing so, you're following the liturgical seasons of the church. A lot of people refer to their, or a lot of um, religious people, the priests and, and sisters and monks and stuff, refer to our, our homes as domestic churches, and that's what they're supposed to be. And that doesn't mean, you know, that we're genuflecting next to the coffee table or anything. It just means that we're we're so focused on raising our children in the faith and having a faith-filled life that we're very in-tuned to the liturgical year of the church and what the church is celebrating and focusing on throughout the year. And so the the church in mass there are three three cycles, A, B, and C. So when you when you go to church, if you go for 3 years, you will have heard just about all of the Bible through scriptures and the Psalms. And... The New Testament. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's really it's really important when you're raising your children to be focused on that year and how we culturally live our faith. Because it's not just about going to church. Like your faith doesn't stop at the church door on Sunday afternoon, you know, when you leave. You're supposed to live it and kind of focus on it through, throughout your whole life. And it's a really wonderful way to kind of bind your children to their faith to live a liturgical life and to focus on the seasons of the church. I we always enjoyed it. We we had a lot of fun with it in our house. And and that's we we're supposed to be joyful people, we're the Easter people, so you it's a lot of fun to have feast days and celebrations.
1: I think they've also discovered there's a lot of evidence now that even if you send your kid to a catholic school, even if you faithfully go to mass on Sunday, if you don't practice the faith in your home, mm there's a far greater chance your kids will leave the faith someday. Now none of us have any guarantee God knows.
0: No, I that's, I, that's I know plenty, pray. Of, <laughs> plenty of homeschool families who are brokenhearted because their children have left the faith. Uh but you've planted so many seeds there that it you know hopefully they'll come back at some point. Um but I I was talking with my children about this because we have um we have a CCD program here that um some of my children ended up going through to receive confirmation and it drove me insane because um, it was a lot of busy work and it was very much focused on people who don't go to church. Like they only required you to go to mass once a, a month. Right. CCD program. And you had to bring a workbook. And while you were at mass, you were filling out the workbook. Like who is the presiding priest? And like, what's the recessional hymn? So you would you would stay home, you know, stay in mass. Uh, stay to mass, right. Make sure you stay yeah. And my kids were all on the altar. You know, I have altars, I have altar boys and I have choir members and I have cantors and stuff. So nobody was sitting around filling out a book. So it drove me nuts. And that's why a few of my children were confirmed in the Latin Rite. But I was saying to the kids, listen, there are 1,500 kids in this program, and a good two thirds of them don't attend Mass on a regular basis or at all. And then when they, you know, graduate, I guess, uh, when they receive their confirmation, you never see them again. So to my mind, that's not a successful program. Because exactly. you're not teaching them and their parents aren't teaching them because the program's only as good as the parents are. And the program, maybe they get them for 20 hours a year, right? 20, 25 hours a year because it's October to April. It's once a week for 45 minutes. It's, you know, it's off the weeks cr- off for various yeah.
1: reasons. Yeah. So maybe
0: 20 hours between 20 and 30 hours, but the parents aren't living a Catholic life. And that's what living liturgically means. It's living through the seasons of the church and living through the eyes of the church. And it really binds your children to their faith. And it's beautiful and it's fun.
1: It's fun. It, it's mean? actually the fun part of Catholicism in a lot of ways. It is. It Any is, it of is. us that have had like, an Advent wreath would be one way we would, we would do this. Yes. And yes. you know anybody who has had an Advent wreath on their dinner table and you light the candle at night and then the next week we like the, why is the third one pink? And we talk about that a little bit. So I think those Types of things take, because church can for little kids sometimes be burdensome. You know, they're sitting in the pew, they can't see the altar, they're not exactly sure what's going on. Yeah, I always try to look at it from the eyes of a child, and they're seeing like a back of, back of a bunch of wool coats, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes, the backs of everybody's heads. Yeah, it's not quite as exciting. Whereas if at home you can talk about these things much more carefully, you know, and I did that at church. Like, okay, listen. They're going to ring the bells in a minute. Jesus mm-hmm. is going to be here. I tried to do a lot of that. Let's, you know, let's, uh, this is how we uh, strike our chests, right? And some of them are, like strike their chests so hard they knock themselves. Into <laughs> but, but those types of things sort of get kids involved in it. But it's way easy to do that in your home. Not that I'm trying to tell people don't go, don't go to church. Please go to church anyhow. But if you take that church then and bring it into your domestic church, and remember uh, the church has six liturgical seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church year, unlike the year, you know, our, our years begin on uh, January 1st, but the church year begins on the first Sunday of Advent. Right. And then you have the season of Christmas, which people, I have to say that on social media every year, people remind us that Christmas is not Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, take the tree down, get the house back to normal. Right. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> not that
0: at all. There's the octave of Christmas and then there's the Christmas season that goes after that.
1: And it's a, a trip. So leave your tree up, leave your lights up. First of all, so uh, people now I've noticed are leaving their lights up, their outside lights up longer. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I lived in Chicago all those years. It's so darn dreary in January. Yeah. That it just makes me happy to see the lights. I
0: know it's festive and it's pretty and it, it reminds you of what you're celebrating. It's joyful. Yeah. The light of the world has come. Um, so it, yeah. And what I would always do, Jenny, um, I loved celebrating like the Saturday night before that first Sunday of Advent, it's it's Catholic New Year's Eve. Right. So we would have like snacky dinner and buy the, uh, the sparkling grape juice for the kids. And we'd let them have like ice cream and blow, you know, streamers and stuff like that. Do a little New Year's Eve celebration because tomorrow it's New Year's Day. We're starting a new liturgical year. And it was such a cute way for them to kind of be aware that a season is changing for us.
1: And the other thing is that people are more... Aware of it during Lent, I think, mm. but Advent is supposed to be a penitential season. It is, yeah. It's, so it's a little. It's a little Lent, is what they call right. it. Um, we're waiting for Jesus to be born, and that's going to be a great celebration. And we're going to be really happy. But the way that we wait is by giving something up. People don't talk about that, but you should give something up. uh Don't eat meat on, wen- on Wednesdays and Fridays. Mm-hmm. Uh, just whatever you want to do in your house. I'll do extra kindnesses for people. Those types of things uh, can make a difference. Uh, then we have some, what we call ordinary time. And we can get to that later, how we can still celebrate during ordinary time. Of course, Ash Wednesday, we begin Lent, unless you're in the Eastern, Rite. Their Lent begins on clean Monday, two days before. Right. Yes. Yes. And they are strict.
0: Those people are serious. God bless them. Um, they, they fast from a lot of different things during Lent. They a lot of them don't, a lot of those people don't do dairy or meat, um,
1: Oil, I think. Is another. Yeah, thing. I have yeah. friends
0: who uh, she was trying to talk me into this um, sardine and rice dish category something. and I just I am not a sardine person. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that is too penitential for me. I mean, I'd rather not eat. Thank you very much. I'll just <laughs> I'll, I'll meal. that day. That'll be OK. <laughs> I Just will not eat that. But that's kind of they go right back to the bare bones. Of they do. How and it that's
1: happened. the way we all live. What people a lot of people don't realize uh, when we have Shrove Tuesday. Before Lent, the day you know the day before Ash Wednesday, Um, in French it's Mardi Gras,
0: which
1: is too because people would get rid of all the fat in their house, knowing what was coming up next, which was Lent. And then, of course, after uh, Lent we have the Triduum and Easter and the Easter season, which again stretches out a little bit. It goes to a Trinity Sunday, right? Yes, it's you have the octave of Easter, which are all feast
0: days. So even um, if you observe like meatless Fridays and stuff, in the octave of Easter you don't. You know, Friday is oh, still a feast day. You're still feasting, and then Easter tide goes on after that until yeah, I think it's Trinity Sunday. I probably should have looked that up. <laughs> I think <I'm> pretty, yeah,
1: <laughs> you know I was just thinking we should have looked that. Up. I think it is Trinity Sunday, <laughs> but there's lots of feasts in there. Of course, you have Pentecost and lots lots of times to remember the the Bible that we're, we're hearing read into us, you know, read to us every week. And then after Easter season, then we have or you know we have that long ordinary time. Uh, that we're in now, actually.
0: Yeah, while we're recording this, it's, um, it's 116 weeks or something like that. Again, a long Again, I, pro- I
1: probably well, should we look be that up. It not be 116 weeks. It's only 52 weeks in the year. Oh, that's right. If what so, was I thinking? I don't know I was, what I was, where that number came from. I would say that probably is not that. Don't write that down. Maybe <laughs> you're listening to
0: this. Maybe days was I thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. Or whatever. Don't listen it to is. me, people.
1: <laughs> but anyhow, even during ordinary time, we Catholics, uh, you know, we can still keep the liturgical year alive in our homes and there's different ways to do it. Mary Ellen, what would you say is the first way? Um,
0: Well, I would, what I focused on a lot, I, first of all, just, just to just a housekeeping note, we're going to write a lot of this down for the show notes. So if you're listening, don't worry about writing this down or trying to figure it out. Good point. We'll put a lot of it in the show notes. And I have um, a website dedicated to the um, observance of Advent. and i'll leave that link in there but i really started with sacraments like focusing on bringing my children to the sacraments and when they started um get when i started getting them ready for um their first penance and first holy communion which usually happened within a couple of weeks of each other so for a few months before that for me um me personally getting them ready for first holy communion was about um as much as you can for a six or seven year old making them aware that they're receiving jesus the body blood soul and divinity which is a difficult concept and also taking them through the parts of the mass so they know what's happening in the mass so at six and seven they have an idea of what we're doing and why we're doing it and i had them put together a mass book so It was it was like a scrapbook, Jenny, like a like a pretty scrapbook for the girls and for the boys. It was more like a a binder with page protectors and stuff. So I'd have them write something or color something about their patron saint, about our parish, going through the parts of the mass, um, their favorite Bible story. So I put together this whole thing. And then when they had their party after they received First Holy Communion, we would put it out and everybody would get to look at what their work for the year. Um, And that. And then we would celebrate, you know, because it's joyful. They've received the sacraments. And then we would go on to confirmation. So and learning all about the sacraments. I'm kind of astonished sometimes how very little the children know around us um, about sacraments and why they receive them and why it's important and even what all seven of them are. Right. Like, I don't think I think that a lot of kids just get to confirmation And they know marriage is kind of a sacrament. You have to go to church for that. But a lot of people don't go to church and get married anymore. So I think it's really important if you want your children to really um, experience the liturgical life to really focus on the sacraments. And that's
1: where I always started. Great place to start. Uh, The other thing you can do is choose one or two liturgical celebrations and sort of think about how you want to celebrate them. And some of that might be ethnic. Like, right. you're Irish, so you're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day in a big way. We do, and St. Bridget's Day, and St. Uh, Kevin.
0: I have, all my kids have Irish names, so they all have, we all pay attention to their feast days. Um, I have a, you know, Irish family, so it's, we've always been focused on those traditions. So I make St. Bridget's bread on February 2nd, because that's St. Bridget's feast day, and we would have tea and eat the bread, and I'd read uh, the beautiful story, St. Bridget's cloak. Um, it's a picture book. I have, Picture books for just about any saint you could think of. <laughs> have lots of liturgical books like that, um, and it took twenty something years to build up that library. But there are a lot of beautiful things you can do with small children and feast days and connect them to their faith and, and their
1: faith and their family and their family's history, right? And their uh, heritage. I'm
0: Italian. We love Saint Joseph. Right.
1: Yes. I mean, and, and Italian parishes have you know they bring the bread there and they bless the they bless the bread. Uh, so there's. If you were uh, Ukrainian, they love St. Josephette. They just love St. Josephette. Tremendous. So some of those things will come either your children's, as Mary Ellen said, you know, your children's patron saints, if you celebrate those days, or if you just celebrate a day because that's the parish that you live in. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But always try to aim for, don't get so worked up. Like Mary Ellen just tried to get you worked up talking about (laughs) baking, this and that uh sometimes that can get a little overwhelming sure yeah especially if you have a lot of little you know ones. you're making the, the what which saint does he make the wreath it's a december for her head it's a swedish saint oh i can't I think oh of lucy. Saint lucy. lucy saint lucy Lucy. St. of course saint, and you know santa lucia it's a big saint in italy also But if you start having to make a wreath that fits on the kid's head with a candle, you might drive yourself nuts. So you also might set your house on fire. (laughs) Right. And the kids hair on fire. Right. So you could pass on that, maybe. Uh, But the the point is, I guess, that the crafts can be fun, but don't let them overwhelm you. Right. Reading the book is a great way. We have this terrific picture book and we talk about it. I think that is a great, great way of doing. Just reading a book, remembering the saint, maybe going to church in the, in a, a parish. If you live in the city, I always lived in the city near lots and lots of parishes, so you could go to, to that patron, uh, you know, that's patron church for a particular saint. Um, but if you can build up a few traditions, you'll find that not only do your kids like them, but they keep them up in their families again. You know, most of my, my kids are adults now, mm-hmm. so certainly, like they all say grace before meals.
0: Right, yeah, and that's really the goal because you want this to continue. You want this to be a legacy. You want them to always be catholic and to always be passing the faith on to i mean that's part of our charism we're supposed to be evangelizing we're supposed to be living the gospel and so you do it within your own family and you hope that they continue to do it with their family as they get older and then people around them will pick up on this so i mean it's not just about your family although that's incredibly important it's also about serious uh,
1: obligation yes when we get married it's a vow
0: But then they go out and and kind of live this gospel all their lives and they become a witness to other people. And it's beautiful. It It really is beautiful. beautiful. So don't don't overwhelm yourself with crafts like like Jenny said. I mean, if you're crafty and you love that kind of stuff, um, a coloring page is fine. A picture book, a mass reading um, online, you can look at little videos. Um, I used to love those uh, CCC videos. Do you, did your kids have? No, they're probably too old for them. They were cute little that. Saint videos. Seton sells them and they have now they have St. Francis C- videos. Oh, on.
1: yeah. I've seen some of them. You look, right? you can do that. A lot of it could be uh, we lived in Chicago, which has a huge Polish population. Mm. So on M- Mardi Gras, my husband would go out and get punchies. Oh, gosh. Which, I love those. <laughs> I mean, incredibly, so good. incredibly <laughs> fattening, delicious treat. And it was a way of saying goodbye to, yes. you know. Our, our opulent lifestyle and saying well now we're going to start we're going to start fasting because lent is beginning but and that was you find well, that we're like, not what, polish none of us are polish I know, but, but they, we lived in chicago
0: then, and punch well, keys are delicious po- polish people have really good food we have a, a town near us that has a lot of polish people in a polish parish and wow boy do those people know how to eat
1: so sometimes it could be something as simple as buying punch keys on on, on Trove Tuesday
0: yeah it's a tradition we we had um and I probably mentioned this before um I have a tradition in my house uh, November 11th Veterans Day but also the Feast of Saint Martin and he you know ripped his cloak in half for the beggar and the beggar turned out to be Christ so every year on on that day still now with all of my adult kids who are living home I buy them their pajama pants for the winter I buy them cozy pajama pants as an act of charity you know to keep them warm and, and to kind of point this out and do you know that like the teenagers still asked me to read that story, St. Martin's Cloak, because it's our tradition. And right. then sometime that week or the next weekend, we take out all the winter clothes that nobody can wear anymore. And we go and donate them to the parish thrift store because that's charity. So that's become like a thing in our house. Like they are, they're just always going to do that. Right. They love it. And it's, It just makes me happy every year to do that. (laughs) It just makes me happy because they they caught on to something, Jenny. They're doing it. (laughs) I know. And my guess is they'll continue to do it with their own families. I think so. I think so. Because they enjoy it. it. They call them the the patron saint of pajama (laughs) pants.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's a cute little family thing. And it was very easy to do. Actually, a lot of people don't know this, but the most common last name in the country of France is Martin. Martin. I did not know that. Okay. Well, St. Therese was St. Therese Martin, if you think about it. That's
0: right. Yes, that's
1: true. most... Common, I mean, it was, maybe it's changed now through the years. And one other thing we should just recommend, and then I think we're going to have to take a sponsor break, um, is our kids are going to go to Mass. The, the number one way that they live liturgical year, of course, is going to Mass and hearing the readings and understanding how they change through the years and mm-hmm. how we're uh, through the year and how we're supposed to sort of pay attention to the changes that are happening in the life of Our Lady, of St. Joseph, our Lord, and how it's going to affect our own lives. That can be tough for kids.
0: Sure. Yeah, a little kids. Yeah, there's there's no. I mean, it's tough for a lot of people. These concepts yeah. are are weighty and big and, and mystical, and
1: it's hard mystery. There's a lot of mystery, so yeah. it's hard. So there are some books, though. Uh, Mary Ellen mentioned the videos that Seaton and sells about the saints, but there are some books that can help you out. Magnificent, Magnificat magazine that parents can get to take to mass on Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's also Magnific Kids. That was a cute one. Um, I had that for many years, a subscription.
0: And on Thursday, I just had one subscription because it is a little pricey. But I would on Thursday afternoons, as part of our religion, I would just read the readings for the coming Sunday. And then usually there's like a little puzzle or something in the back of it. So I would let one or two of the kids do the puzzle or something. But at least they're familiar with it. And you can kind of explain it and go over any questions they might have and listen to that, like how you pronounce the names. Sometimes those, you know, Old Testament names can be difficult.
1: When <laughs> St. Paul is traveling, some of those places can be. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, was, I was a lector for many years. Let me tell them. It's St. true. Paul is yeah. traveling, it can be rough. So, yeah, pointing those out, or even get a map out. St. Paul is traveling. Where did he go? Let's yeah. show you on the map. Uh, but there are lots, we could, we'll put them in the program notes. There are lots of resources that parents can have. Um, the Catholic bishops put something out. There's, I have an app, Laudate, Laudate, excuse me, that uh, shows the readings for the week. Loads and loads of stuff that you can get that will help you out on this.
0: And the Hallow app too. They have a lot of stuff, and they have stuff for kids on there too. So if, um, again, that's one you pay for. It's the only app I pay for because I'm morally opposed to paying for apps for some reason, (laughs) but I pay for that one because it's good. But they do have like really nice stuff for kids on there
1: too. Yeah. So-
0: Should we break for our sponsor? I think, I think you know, a shout out, right? Study
1: is our primary sponsor and we're very grateful to them for all the help they give us, which by the way, is not just the money to get this thing going. They give us staff that helps with things like editing and and yes. posting it and, put, and posting the program notes. We could never do that ourselves. No, but, we couldn't. We absolutely could not. We can barely get the buttons pushed here. <laughs> uh, just take a moment to listen to the sponsor today. Hi, this is Ginny, and I'm of course here with Mary Ellen, and we're actually going to have a little bit of fun today. Not that our podcasts aren't fun, but this is going to be way more fun because we are giving away money. We love to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And we're giving away money to great Catholic families, uh, to great Catholic students. Uh, To get this money, you had to be a uh, four-year student at Seton Home Study School and a graduate of of Seton Home Study School. And what they do is, Every year, they pick 10 recipients, sort of randomly, uh, and each will receive a $1,500 scholarship to a Newman Guide College. And Mary Ellen, maybe you want to say briefly what a Newman Guide College is. Well, Newman Guide Colleges
0: have strong Catholic identities in terms of the content of their curriculum, teaching staff, and campus life. They are wonderful places to send your children. Two of mine, one is currently going to one and one graduated from one. And I have to tell you, What they gain in their spiritual life as well as their academic life is worth every penny.
1: Yeah, so you can find if you're interested in your high school kids, maybe eventually moving on to a Newman Guide school. By uh, by all means, get on their website. And Seton, of course, as you know, they're dedicated to a Catholic, academically rigorous education. And Newman Guide schools love Seton students. I've actually uh, talked to their representatives many times, and they just they just love us because the kids are prepared; they're ready. They're ready to take on college-level work. Yes. All right. So, so- Ellen, do you want to announce the first person?
0: Okay. Here's the drum roll. I wish we had a drum roll. Somebody insert a <laughs> drum roll. <laughs> and the first winner is John Miller, who will be attending the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. So, John, take a
1: couple of those bucks that we're giving you and buy some warm gloves and nice hat. <laughs> Yes, it'll it'll be brisk You're there. You're going
0: to be cold, John. God bless you. You're going to be cold.
1: <laughs> uh, winner number two is Kevin Molino. Kevin will be attending Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Very popular with our Catholic homeschooled students.
0: Beautiful campus. I've been there. It's lovely. Uh, number three, Marie Gabrielle Fa, who will also be attending the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota.
1: Number four. Logan McDonald, again, Franciscan University at Steubenville. You can see the, You can kind of see a trend here. Yes, yes. Popular
0: here. Number five, John Paul Shaw. He's our breakaway.
1: He's going to our Lady Seat of Wisdom in Canada. Good for John Paul. Uh, next one is Joseph Gontars, University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. University of Mary is really doing well today. Yes, they're, they're doing well,
0: very well, actually. Thomas Shaw is number seven, and he will be attending Christendom College in Front Royal, Virginia. We know that one, don't we, Jenny?
1: We sure do. Uh, those of us that work at Seton, you could actually take a walk at lunch and stop by the chapel at, at Christendom College. And not only is Thomas going to be going there, but our number eight, Joanna, Johanna Byers, will also be attending Christendom College in Front Royal, Virginia. We look forward. Maybe we'll meet you someday. We'd love that. Yeah, we'd like that. That'd
0: be great. Number nine, Hannah Martell, also with the
1: University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. And bringing up the end here with a different, this student will be attending Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, and that is Eva Andrews. Congratulations to all 10 of our winners. This is so exciting. We never get to do fun things like this. I know. We always have to like talk about schedules and that sort of thing. (laughs) But by the way, we didn't draw these. Uh, We it was done at Seton and they just kind of told us who who won. Um, but we might mention that University of of Mary is the big winner. Yeah,
0: they're the big winner this year with four scholarship recipients, followed by Christendom and Franciscan with two each. Um, it's not a requirement for the scholarship, but all the institutions that this year's scholarship recipients plan to attend are Seton College Partners. And you know that we love our college partners, they sponsor this program. They are in our magazine. They host all kinds of neat things for our students. So thank you to our college partners. Thank you to our 10 winners for um, joining us with this. We are so happy. You will be contacted very shortly with all the details about how you get your money.
1: And now back to some hard
0: work. welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us. And thank you to our sponsor. Again, we are very, very grateful. And we hope that you will check out their website. Um, So we're talking about living a liturgical life with your children and kind of binding them to their Catholic faith through fun and interesting ways that will appeal to them and hopefully will pass on to their own families someday. Um, So we've talked about uh, some books and reading the Mass and uh, finding um, feast days in your heritage and things in your heritage to explore. And now we're going to talk about Our Lady You can't go wrong with Our Lady. You cannot. If you teach your children nothing else, teach them to love Our Lady. I mean, it's just the path to heaven. Adies in per mariam, right? To Jesus through Mary.
1: Um, And the Litany of Floreto is a really good place to start. It is a good place. You know, uh, in Chicago, where I lived for so many years, there's a big Opus Dei presence. Mm. And that's just a lay organization for people who aren't familiar. They also have priests, but it's mostly lay people who are dedicated to sanctifying themselves through ordinary life but one of the things that they said they don't suggest that they do it it's that one of their practices is after they say their rosary they recite the litany of laredo
0: really i did not know that and that's a beautiful beautiful practice
1: that's it is a beautiful practice and it's lovely sometimes it'll be in rosary books i have loads of rosary meditation books me too yeah and uh sometimes they'll have those and talk to your kids about what when we say that mary is ark of the covenant yeah what does that mean or you know, star stuff. of the sea. What does that mean? And, and if you don't know yourself you can look it up. Let me just say that. Yeah. You can look up anything these days. You can okay. and
0: and there's no there's no shame in not knowing this. I mean there's cuz I didn't know all this when I first started out. Um and if you're new to living liturgically, you're not going to know a lot of stuff and that's that's fine. You just pick it up with your kids. I just would be such I don't know, a moron <laughs> if I didn't homeschool my kids, because that's how I learned a lot of this stuff. And I we didn't... hear that all the
1: time. Yeah, we hear I mean... that all the time from our parents. Uh sadly, I would say when I when I was a kid, because I'm old, uh, we got a pretty thorough Catholic education. If nothing else, we memorized our Baltimore catechism questions and answers. But then there was sort of a falling off. Mm-hmm. And it was partly a falling off in practice on the on behalf of parents. Schools, when you know, we were talking before about uh how CCD programs sometimes seem very deficient part of the reason for that is the kids that they're getting into these programs don't even go to mass on Sunday yeah which is so where just, do you start you know it, yeah is, where,
0: where do you start with that I mean if, yeah. if and the parents are poorly catechized I I was pretty poorly catechized which is shocking when I think about it um because you went to a Catholic high school? I went to a very good Catholic high school, but it was a little bit like feminist. It was all girls. The, the nuns weren't like traditional nuns. You know what I mean? Like right. the 70s kind of nun. Nobody wore a ha- hat. or very few of them wore habits. Um, and my parents were very well catechized, but they sent us to CCD and they took us to mass. And I don't know.
1: They just didn't. It, I, my I got to rest them. They just didn't do it. <laughs> like No, I mean, they I presumed don't, that we were getting it I because guess, they did yeah.
0: I know they did when
1: they were kids, their Catholic practice was definitely through their church. It was through their, uh, it was at home too, but, but they, they grew to depend on the church, the nuns at school, this sort of thing. And I, when I started high school, we had two very excellent religion books in my freshman and sophomore year, junior year, the nuns took off their habits and we started like listening to Beatles music and saying what it really (laughs) was to us. Um, you would you be shocked to hear john lennon is probably not the person you should depend on to learn the catholic faith so, Oh my goodness we had a nun in ccd who taught us uh, michael rowed the boat ashore that's so yeah. <laughs> so it can similar. so it can be a little so uh, one thing that uh, we will suggest is as you learn this stuff like if you, you're teaching your kids the litany of laredo and you're saying well, what do we mean when we say mary is stella mars the, the star of the sea Write it down. Have a little book someplace <laughs> that you can, yeah, you know, I mean, litany of Laredo notes. Right. And it's, there's a
0: book out there. Um, Meredith Henning wrote it. It's um, from Hillside Education and it's, oh, I forget the name of it, but, oh, Mondays with Mary. That's what it's called. Mondays with okay. Mary. And she set it up. Um, it's a really cute book and I'll put it in the show notes. Um she set it up once a week. You just dedicate your religion lesson to the Blessed Mother, and she goes through the whole litany of Loretto. And that's how I learned a lot about it because I didn't know that much. So, again, she has, like, a little recipe idea or a little craft idea, a little this, a little that, just to kind of expose your children to all these beautiful titles of Our Lady and what they mean and where they came from and all that kind of stuff. My favorite's Mother Most Amiable because – I mean, that's just beautiful. I think mother, most amiable, but there are so many beautiful ones in there. And if you're not familiar, just Google it. It's on uh, EWTN. It's on the Vatican website. It's on the Bishop's website and go through it. And
1: it's an incredible way to introduce your children to our lady. And you know, the thing is when you start thinking this stuff through, uh, you get some really nice insights. So I have, I say my rosary every day. I've said my rosary every day for decades, decades saying the decades. (laughs) And, um, I have a lot of books because I'm ashamed to admit it, but my, I do get distracted. Saying oh, yeah. I do get distracted. So I have loads and loads of books, not one, but several dozens probably of books where it's beautiful artwork that I'm right. looking at a picture of the nativity as I'm saying it uh, or reading. A, sometimes you, I'll just get different ones online from the bishops or whatever because I want to think about what I'm saying as I'm saying the the Hail Marys. But the, that was a problem with the car. And I do like to say my rosary in the car.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what I decided, it's got to be 10 years ago now, was, look, you know what? I know the stories. It's not So I came up with my own rosary meditations and I memorized them. Oh, look at you. So I, <laughs> I'm like I my own rosary way. book. And I only say this one when I'm in the car. I don't say it other times because I don't want to get, again, I find myself even in the car with this because I've been doing it for so many years all you know get a little distracted but i've changed it through the years like um uh um, oh i at the end of um well i can't i can't think what oh at the end of where uh the angel gabriel appears to the blessed mother and then i used to finish my 10th hail mary the idea behind it was well and then the angel departed from her and then i was in church one day and i heard them saying the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and i thought oh why don't I have that on the 10th Hail Mary too? That's yeah. a really, that's a really important one. So I kind of changed it through the years. But what made me think about it, my favorite part of the litany is Queen of Heaven. Oh, yeah. I love the fact that Mary's Queen of Heaven, and that's a really tough one to meditate on. It is. It is because, because it's hard to visualize, it's hard to visualize. You have that. One, you have a couple of pictures of Mary getting the crown on her head. Okay, but this is Ten Hail Marys we're talking about here. <laughs> it's not just the one picture. Um, so I really started thinking about that and thinking about what it must have been like when Mary went to heaven. And then after all those years of being apart from him, she saw Jesus. Oh, gosh, wow. i cry. I know. <laughs> oh, like goodness. what a moment that my favorite picture of the assumption is actually a picture of the assumption where Mary's being carried by angels into heaven and she has her baby back.
0: Oh yeah, I I know exactly which one you mean.
1: I've seen that. It's in a lot of oh. rosary books. Yes, yeah. I never She's thought of holding it. Holding her baby that... again. Imagine that. And then I thought, and then she gets to see her parents. She gets to see Saint Joseph. Yeah. Her cousin Elizabeth, the first one who recognized that the child she carried was the Christ. So I started meditating on these in another way. So this is what happens to you, I guess, is if you bring these things into your life—the pictures, the books, the uh, just saying that, just saying the litany. It'll help you to develop. And maybe it's not going to be now. I didn't do this when I had 12 kids running
0: around. No, Annette, no. Mothers with young children, it's distracting. It's hard. The Blessed Mother knows that. Um, Get your God Hail Marys in. It. Yeah, just uh, pray when you can and make your work your prayer as best you can. But um, when you do have time to sit down and do a little lesson, these are nice things to be thinking about when you're when you're presenting these things to your children and, and yeah. helping them visualize these things. Um, I have a million rosary books, too, and I do get distracted. My mind wanders. So I do. I use the rosary books. I use the Hallow app in the car. Um, anything that you can do to help make it um, easier for your children to understand it, easier for them to visualize
1: is fine. It's all good. It's all good. You can't you can't go wrong with it. Um the other thing, though, is that sounds a little more complicated, exactly. and some of it can be really, really simple. When you do have those five kids still running around, and they're toddlers, and you're going nuts, and you barely get a Hail Mary in, much less the rosary, you, know? <laughs> you fall asleep every, you're trying to say your rosary, you doze off every night, um, you can add short prayers. So one of the things that happened in my family, because I had kids all different ages and stages. and it became like we, we had morning prayers before homeschooling. But then, as I got older, the high school kids were up in their own rooms. Right. And yes. maybe I remembered to call them. Maybe I didn't. Maybe they're in the middle of doing something. So, but we always said grace before meals, always. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that we did during November when we said, you know, bless us, O Lord, and these like gifts, after that, we would say, and may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Because in November, we remember the the poor souls. Funny
0: you say that, because we do that um, at every grace. And then we add, and may God provide for the wants of the poor. Um, So we just do that at every grace. And some people do. Years ago,
1: we used to say that that was your grace after meals. Was to pray for the poor souls.
0: Yeah, you know we don't do grace after meals.
1: I don't. Think I never did tra- either.
0: Yeah, that's not a tradition that seems to have stuck with people.
1: But <laughs> no, but there used to be great. and that you used to pray for the poor souls, grace after meals. Yeah, I think okay. people are running this way and that way. Yeah, that's true. Anyhow, that's true. To remember November, we always added the prayer for the poor souls after our grace because we were always together for grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless and you weren't happened. home for a meal, you were. Um, June, you could add. So June is the month of the Sacred Heart. How about most sacred heart of Jesus have mercy on us.
0: That's beautiful. I never, I never would have thought to do that even, you know, after all these years of trying to focus on this stuff. So yeah. when I saw just, your note on that, I was like, yes, why aren't we doing
1: that? <laughs> just, you know, that, that happens to be the month. Um, the immaculate conception is in, is in December, but that's another month. And I love the feast of the immaculate conception. I used to do a novena at St. Mary, of the angels in Chicago every year when I could still drive at night. Now I'm <laughs> too old, but I loved it. But, uh, there are other months like August. We celebrate the Assumption. How about O oh, Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to Thee? That beautiful, beautiful prayer that's on the back of our miraculous medal. Yes, front of miraculous
0: medal. powerful prayer too. Very powerful prayer. um Yeah, and just adding that, like you said, it's one line after grace for one month, and i I can't, but I, I can't help but think that that's so um pleasing to god and the blessed mother and will have just eternal effect if just that one little line
1: and i never thought about that but you're right that's a great idea and and pick something for the month it could be the uh uh, that a a saint pray that you pray to a particular saint saint you're italian pray to saint joseph yeah every grace say saint joseph pray for us or jesus mary and joseph pray for us now and at the hour of our death amen again so powerful so Such powerful. A, that's an old, powerful aspiration. It's a beautiful one. Say it in, in, in March, which is St. Joseph's month. Right. There's loads of things that we can do that don't take a long time, that we don't have to bake a cake. We don't have to right. make a wreath with candles on it to stick on the kid's head and set them on fire. It could <laughs> just be something really short and sweet that not only is good for our children, but it's good for us, too. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. To... to
0: start a new prayer practice um as you're getting older and realize what it's doing for your faith i i i really feel like i don't know it, it somehow deepens your faith even these short little aspirations these one-line things they really do deepen your faith and i think they contribute to your holiness and they make you less yeah. inclined to sin
1: they, they do I think they really you protect find yourself us. all day that you're a child of god you're yes. less likely to break god's laws um, Dr. Mary Kay Clark, who is Seton's director mm-hmm. and really was the founder of Seton Home Study School in, in most ways, uh, she always would recommend that people put little things, you don't have to turn turn your house into a church, but like most people have crucifixes above the children's beds sure. or or a little holy water, water frontier or a little statue of the blessed mother on the mantle or something like that. And just say, when you see it, let that remind you to say some short aspiration.
0: Yeah. Little so prayer. smart. So smart to do it. It just when your eyes le- light on it, you know, you're sitting in your chair and you're reading a book and you look up and you see your crucifix or your blessed mother picture or, you know, your little thing of the sacred heart. Just say God it. A little bless it. God
1: bless all in this
0: house. Yeah. I That's mean, all- it's just that simple or Jesus. I love you. I mean, just that simple. Yeah. My mother used to say uh, "So it was uh, Jesus. I love you. I think at stop signs. <laughs> I don't know why she did. She told me that one day. I was like, well, that's cool. I never would have thought of that. My house is surrounded by stop signs. I'd say nothing else all day long, but well, I told it's you not where I, a bad I, thing. I
1: live, there's nothing but cemeteries because people have family cemeteries, small church cemeteries. Oh, yeah. And I do have a practice of praying for the dead. When I go past the cemetery, I'm very busy in the car. <laughs> Here went the rosaries. There went the rosaries. And then this has been a great topic, but the last thing I have to tell you was kind of my favorite. And I did a lot of this. And what I call the mini pilgrimages. Yes. So I never was able to walk, you know, to Santiago de Compostela, which I would have loved to do. But yeah. I it's on my bucket list. My bucket list too. Um, but in May, we all know that we should make some sort of special effort. Most of our churches have May crownings, for example, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But go to a shrine. And you. when I say a shrine, you don't have to go to Lords or Fatima. I mean, that's lovely if you can do it. Yeah, if you but can, also, you should. But yeah, yeah there are shrines should. all over. Next to your church is a beautiful little statue of the Blessed Mother with maybe St. Bernadette, a statue of St. Bernadette praying to her. Uh, One year, we were uh, in River Forest, Illinois. There's Dominican College, and they have a lovely little grotto to the Blessed Mother. And I was teaching a little preschool religion class, three, four, and five-year-olds, mostly homeschooled kids or just kids that didn't go to school yet. A, it was a lot of fun thing you know if you're happy and you know what say amen <laughs> that sort of thing yeah we, we taught them how to cross themselves common prayers but during may i took them all to this little shrine we could walk to it from the lady who was in her basement she lived two blocks away from this little shrine at dominican college and we walked the kids over there these little teeny kids my husband might be the last man in north america that uses handkerchiefs instead of tissues
0: oh my dad always did Yes, but yeah. well, my father me as old as your dad. What can I say? But it's just gentlemanly.
1: I, I just we should bring that always, up to people. <laughs> and I always iron them. It's easy, my- iron it. it's easy to iron. It's easy iron them. It's no big deal. So he had. He must have had twenty five hankies or something. So I took all these clean hankies out of his drawer, and we got to the shrine, and we whatever prayers we said. I don't remember now. And I gave the kids the hankies, and we sang like Ave Maria, and they're rave, They're uh, waving the hankies like they do at uh, Fatima.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, what a great idea. To and do they're just the waving. I, mean, I, don't, I don't
1: think it's a hankies at Fatima. It's probably like some sort of white piece of cloth. But all I could find was hankies. That's all I could think of. So the kids are waving these white handkerchiefs, singing, are oh, they? Are oh, they? And I thought, I bet you the Blessed Mother loved that. Oh, I'm sure she did. Who wouldn't love that? It's amazing. Right. What a great idea. I'm
0: sure that was just so pleasing to anybody who was around to yeah. see all these beautiful little children doing that.
1: Waving their so white hankies. Too. And, and so simple. Ave, ave. And we we worked on that song because it's Latin, you know, which mm-hmm. for a kid. Ave Maria can be a little tough. Uh, but that's, you know, do that in May. Uh, during Lent, a lot of churches and shrines have outside stations of the cross.
0: Yeah. And that's also a very easy thing to do. Um, And also, if you're planning your vacation, say you want to go see a battlefield or you're going to an amusement park or something like that. See if there's a shrine nearby, you know, something different out of your state. If there's a church with a beautiful shrine or maybe there's an actual shrine. We have one here on Long Island. It's called Our Lady of the Island. And it's beautiful. It's this huge statue, of the Blessed Mother, that overlooks. um, It's almost like a cliff. Long Island's pretty flat, but this is high up. And there's uh, stations of the cross and there's a rosary walk and there's a little chapel you can go to mass and the priest there, it's um St. Louis de Montfort order. Um, they will say mass for the homeschoolers or you know, for and they have a little cafeteria. Oh, so it's God, really God, cute. Right? It's really beautiful, and it's about an hour from my house. So we did that. Oh, probably three times a year when the children were young. And we still actually go out there. The kids like to go out there. But a lot of places have these like hidden nuggets of places. It's inexpensive. You just have to look for them. And college campuses often have them too. So if you're planning a vacation, see if there's something around there where you can see something
1: different. A different Our Lady. Shrine of of, uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Oh, in Maryland. That's a in beautiful Maryland. place. That's a beautiful, beautiful shrine. I've never been there, but I've been to because I'm from New York. The foot of Manhattan is the church that uh, St. Elizabeth attended when she was in Manhattan. Right. Yes. I've taken the kids there. Those of you that live in the upper Midwest, Great Lakes area, the only approved apparition of the Blessed Mother in the United States is Our Lady of Champion, mm-hmm. sometimes called Our Lady of Good Health, Good Help. Excuse me. You can go up there. Um, there's loads of places that you can go and it sort of gets the kids involved in it like one of the things that we did let me say up front i lived in a city it's a lot harder if you live in a rural area but there's a beautiful tradition of visiting the blessed sacrament on the side altar after holy thursday mass yeah if you think about after the mass they they, the priest makes a procession around the church and they reserve the blessed sacrament and a beautifully decorated side altar well there's um the tradition also carries an indulgence, which I, I love my indulgences. Oh, yeah. I, just, I stack um, them up, man. I'm gonna need them. <laughs> um, me too. So if you visit seven churches, and in Chicago, they actually have buses that take people around to the seven churches. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, but again, it's a city, so the churches, yeah. some of the churches are like five blocks apart. It's not, not not a terrible sacrifice, but my one daughter has kept it up even after work. She works, she works like a dog, she got two kids. And she she loves to make her visits. And now she started her husband doing it. And her husband belongs to a men's club at uh, his church. And they did it this year. That's great. You see, that's exactly what I was talking about before. It's not just
0: about you and your family. It spreads out it starts right. out when you when you're very devout and you you really make these devotions part of your life and you just talk about them like oh this is just what we do you know it's it's just what we do and people get very interested in that and people are so starved spiritually in this world and starved for truth and beauty and goodness, I think that when your family is just an example of that, by doing all of these things, it draws people in. And, and then you're doing God's work in a very unique and special way. It really is. In a is fun amazing. way. in a lot, yeah, of- and, and
1: yes, very fun. It's beautiful. Of fun. It's fun. Uh, P- the other thing that you hear a lot of talk about these days is how isolated people are. It got mm-hmm. worse during COVID, but they're yeah. all on their phones. They're not talking to each other. But if a bunch of guys get together from a men's club at, at Immaculate Conception Parish and they go visit seven churches on, on Holy Thursday, you know, they're sharing their faith. They're sharing camaraderie. They're sharing their common interests. They're sharing the beauty of these places. It's a great thing to do. Um, the other thing I, when we're talking about indulgences, I'm with you. I have to stack those suckers up because <laughs> I'm going to need them. Um There are indulgences attached to attending a mass on the patron holy day.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So if you belong to St. Joseph's parish, or if you don't belong to St. Joseph's parish, it's two towns over. But if you go there on March 19th and say some special prayers for the Holy father is one of them, uh, you get, you get indulgence. Yeah. Yeah. We, um,
0: we do that in our parishes, our lady of perpetual help and we just had the patronal feast in June and like St. Joseph's day the our neighboring parish is St. Joseph and St. Martin's is the other one so we try to go to the churches you know now that they're older and working full time it's right. harder but I try to get to those parishes on those feast days because you do you get an indulgence and that's a neat thing to teach your children too um about the indulgences about um visiting visiting a grave and saying certain prayers you the know the generosity of the fa- of the catholic church is it's in giving incredible. us these graces and blessings even praying before a crucifix um, you can get a partial indulgence. There are a lot of them out there. And family, family
1: Rosary is another one. Yeah. Same the Rosary in front of the Blessed Sacrament is another one. Yeah. My, At, my parish in Kentucky now, uh, we have, we don't have daily mass every day. Our poor priest, oh, that poor man. He has two parishes and they're not next to each other.
0: Oh, good Lord. He's probably busy and exhausted. He, oh, he's so
1: busy. <laughs> but what we do is uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have noon mass and the deacon always shows up early. And we we say, the lay
0: people lead a rosary. Oh, yes, that's beautiful, and that is an indulgence in front of the
1: Blessed Sacrament. Yeah,
0: yeah it is. There's when I go to 6:30 mass. There's a group of uh, older ladies who do that right after mass. They lead a a, a a rosary, and I often can't stay for it because I have to get back here and start my kids on school. But um, it's a beautiful thing to pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament. It's I don't know. It's more fulfilling somehow, or you're just more connected in a yeah. way than you are just sitting in your house. And not that just sitting in your house praying is bad. It's absolutely amazing. But um in front of the blessed sacrament, it's just so connected to to our faith and to to Jesus and and heaven and the angels. Mm-hmm. Like you just feel it more. So you do. If you and can the one get there. I know
1: we're supposed to be finished with this because we're going over time. But one <laughs> last thing I just have to talk
0: we're going over time. We're going over time.
1: <laughs> My husband has a tremendous personal devotion to the St. Michael the Archangel. Mm. Just loves him. So he's given statues of Saint Michael the Archangel to like our grandkids. Oh, uh, he's, yeah. You can find medals of Saint Michael the Archangel,
0: and they're not terribly expensive.
1: You can no. find the
0: nice little silver medals that are that are not a big you know thing. It's not it puts you in the poorhouse or anything.
1: No, no, we're not we're not getting them platinum, believe no. me. But he'll just get them a nice medal to Saint Michael the Archangel. Um, he, like I say, he's given statues of that. Sometimes for birthdays, there's a beautiful plaque you can get put on the full armor of God. Oh, isn't that nice,
0: especially for a boy?
1: Isn't that well, a nice thing? And he kind of does that. He doesn't give it to the girls. He gives it to the boys because they have to be warriors for Christ. Yeah, They have to be like St. Michael the Archangel and cast the devil into hell.
0: Yeah, that's so, great.
1: So if you have just, like I said, my husband's case, in my case, I do have this. I was born on the Feast of the Assumption, which mm-hmm. is why I'm Virginia. And I have this tremendous devotion to uh, the Miraculous Medal. And I have given those out and the rosary I've given those out like water. I've sent I've sent rosaries to Africa.
0: Yeah. We send them to Haiti. Um and it, we have tons of those um the plastic ones like Seaton sends with um with their enrollment. New enrollments we get um oh, we just got our our three for <laughs> last week Sorry. um and they're the plastic ones and they're fine you know they're great uh but because i've been doing this for 150 years i have so many of these things you know, we have so I many i was going to be a rosary bureau you know <laughs> so i've sent them to um our the mission that we support in haiti and i've i've brought them to church to give out you know just to children around oh here's you know here's some beads um to keep them busy during mass and things like that. So, uh. It's a nice thing to to give away these little things. I have a little um, cache of miraculous medals that the Franciscan friars blessed for me once, and they weren't expensive. I I bought them in bulk somewhere. I couldn't even tell you where now. Um, so I give them out too. Right. It's a nice thing to to show again to to evangelize, to witness to your
1: faith, and to and to and part of witness to ourselves, to remind ourselves. Yes, yes. When, we, when we feel that medal or we see the medal in the mirror, to remind ourselves, to say, "Oh, Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee." so i hope this has been helpful i'm gonna put a lot of stuff in the
0: show notes poor jim shanley who is the dear dear man who like organizes God bless him. our thought our he's chaotic getting jesus for working with us he's getting is. you would not believe the mess i send him for our scripts and stuff and he organizes so if the, when you're reading the sh- show notes just say thank you jim shanley and pray for him mm-hmm. um he's a he's a great guy so i'm gonna type up a lot of these resources. I actually found one too. Um, It's called The Ultimate List of Catholic Shrines in the United States. I think there were 25 or 30 of them on here. So I'm going to link to that too, just in case you're planning a vacation this summer or this fall. um, Lots of beautiful ones on there. So we'll put a lot of that in there. And I want to thank our sponsors, especially Seton Home Study School. Go check them out at www.setonhome.org. And I want to thank Ginny, because she's so much fun to work with.
1: <laughs> we, we have a lot, lot of laughs. laughs. We do. We'd we be shocked to hear. <laughs> and I want to Jason, think, don't forget yeah. to
0: thank Jason. Jason, Jason, gosh, he's a saint. <laughs> yeah. Jason is the father of, I think, five little boys. I think it's five. That they makes just, him just, a saint right there. They just had a little guy and he's adorable. And yes, they are busy people and he still manages he to editing not. And
1: stuff. He just, yeah. they, they do so much for us. And I have to tell you, Mary Ellen and I, we've said it before. Uh, somebody said, gee, why don't you do a podcast? And we said, oh, all right. You know, we didn't know what we were getting <laughs> yeah, into. That's easy. We talk over yeah. the time. <laughs> uh, and we thought maybe three people would listen to it or maybe our kids. or something. Uh, But as it turns out, we have been very, we are thrilled and excited and somewhat shocked at how well received we have been. Yes. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast and you want to help it, Get the message out to other people. Like and subscribe us wherever you um, hear podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, give us that beautiful five-star rating. Uh, we <laughs> I looked up something yesterday. I forget which one, Spotify or something. And it, we only had five-star ratings. And the reason is because we warn you, <laughs> if you don't like us, you only want to give us two stars, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, just move on, move on. We only want the five-star rating. <laughs> well, God bless everybody. God and, bless. bless. And, um, We'll be back. We'll see you Wednesday. Wednesday.
0: And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private, distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, seatonhome.org for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.